Welcome to Win Win, a podcast from the Department of Sport and Exercise Science at the Waterford Institute of Technology. I'm your host, Bruce Wardrop, and in each episode, I chat with someone who works behind the scenes in sport, helping athletes to maximise their performance potential. If my guest is winning, hopefully their athletes are winning too. In this episode, I'm delighted to be catching up with Jamie Blanchfield, head coach at premierendurance.ie and recently enrolled postgraduate student here at WIT. Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Hey Bruce, thanks Thanks for having me. Good to no, chat. Thank you. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me this evening. It's it's always good to to catch up. And I, I think I might have said it to you in, in, in my email, but you have been on my my radar now for, for a while to get you on as a guest. I've been um following your your career and your work uh mainly through social media, keeping an eye on what you're doing from a distance. Okay. Uh but I found it to be you know interesting. Um, and uh, and I'm yeah, curious to catch up with you and hear about uh, what you've been up to. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it. So tell me, where uh, where are you at the moment? Uh, so I'm in, in the city in Watford, just down from the college, actually, down from WIT. And at the moment, like I said, you're head coach at premierendurance.ie. But what we might do is take a, a couple of steps back from that and, and work our way up towards that. You were an undergraduate in our department as well. You studied on our uh, sports coaching and performance degree. So uh, what do you what do you remember from that? It's a few good few years ago now, but what do you remember from your time back then as an undergrad in WIT? Yeah, time definitely flies, all right. So I would have graduated in 2018, I think it would have been. Um, I suppose for me, I pretty much uh, I remember the course as very very much like an overarching view on on what a coach does, like the activities of, of daily coaching, I suppose you could call them, everything from physiology to, to psychology, S&C, nutrition, um, casting a, a wide net on things, Um I suppose for me in particular, what I enjoyed most about it um, was the last two years. So that would have been the the internship, the work placement um, year and year three. And then year four, I, I kind of felt the the modules, the, the content really swung my way from a, an endurance sport perspective um, with the final year project and a couple of other various bits and pieces. So, um, yeah, it was definitely definitely a great time. I like that. I like what you said there. Activities of daily coaching, like kind of like activities of daily living, but specific <laughs> to a coach. I'm actually going to, I'm going to rob that uh, if you don't mind. So I'll, I'll credit you for it, but that that's oh, a great okay. one. Activities of daily coaching. Um, so yeah, back uh, a good few years ago and uh, you, you say it came together for you in, 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 in the placement. One of the unique things about that course that people may not be aware of uh, on our other courses, we send our students off, off for a semester of placements, but on your, on the sports coaching degree, you go for a full year of placement. So the entirety of third year is spent out on placement. So, uh, where did you go and what did you do for that year? Um, yeah, so I ended up um, with my placement in Cycling Ireland. Um, so effectively, I would have been working under the um, the national performance coach at the time, Neil Delhi, um, and as well as that with Martin O'Loughlin, who you, who you might know as well from the local area, he would have been national junior coach. Um, and I suppose the the experience I got was was vast and varied. Really, we did everything from talent ID, talent development, to um, track cycling, to road cycling, junior camps, 
to kind of various kind of in-house in-house coaching coach education coach meetings um, and then a little bit as well with the with the institute of sport and kind of other service providers so it was um it was fairly performance orientated and focused um which i did definitely enjoy at the time so um yeah massive a massive addition and i learned an, an absolute load in that in that short 12 months yeah, it seems like it sounds like a, a kind of nuts and bolts, uh, everything that, th- that was going on in coaching at the time from different levels and, and, and all the different activities that go in along with it, the day to day, the camps, the time away, you got to experience it all. Yeah, definitely. Um, plenty of trips to uh, trips to Mallorca to the, the track cycling base, which was which was definitely nice. Um, trips to various camps within Ireland, um, doing bits and pieces with the Institute of Sport with uh with a talent development team we would have kind of put together at the at the time i want to so, talk more about that yeah that that was interesting yeah. um so before we get on to that now i think when you came into the course was cycling always your thing was that the sport you had in mind um when you when you came on as a potential professional coach um for sure it would have been my main sport when i came into year one um definitely so i would have probably like a lot of people would have played a little bit of ga done some swimming some various other sports um in school and so forth and then i suppose i got more into into the cycling in i'd say maybe 2010 2011 2012 i would have started racing competitively myself in, in probably 2013 um and got more and more into that to the point that i say when i when i moved into year one in college cycling was probably my uh my be all and end all i'd say <laughs> Yeah, I think it's good now. A lot of you, so a lot of students that come in on that course uh, will have a sport of interest, um, and I think it's it helps for certain when the student has a, a, maybe a, you know you need to have a broad base, a broad interest. But if you can narrow it down to having one sport that you're really working towards, I think it definitely does help you on your way through that degree. I think uh, looking at Jamie, you guys can't see Jamie now, but he uh, he's sitting in a room and there are four bikes hanging on the wall behind him. So I think at this stage now, is it safe to say that you're living and breathing cycling? Uh, definitely. Yeah. Trying to do a little bit of cross training and running in, in my spare time, a little bit of strength and conditioning to keep the keep the bones healthy, but um, <laughs> not working out too well at the moment. Always back in the saddle. <laughs> So you mentioned there uh, when you were on your internship there that you were involved in a talent transfer program. That's something that, again, that I, I've, I watched from a distance um, and I found it really, really fascinating. So perhaps you might tell us a little bit more about what was involved in that talent ID or talent transfer program that was run when you were on internship. Um, yeah, so when I came in, um, I suppose a gap was probably identified that there wasn't um, there wasn't too many f- high-performing female um female athletes so there wasn't a big cohort of hp females on the track um or even on the road i think there might have been a bit of a, a generational gap so to speak between some of our very top level high performers and the, the kind of next step um so from from my reading of it effectively we looked at um high performers in in other sports so we had like cross-country runners and um, national uh, national level we had triathletes we had multi-sport athletes we had rowers um various other people um put their names forward for it and who were ultimately successful but effectively what we did was we went around to the various colleges probably one or two in each province so we would have went to the likes of, of watford we would have went to ul um nuig up to 
Jordanstown Ulster, we would have put a kind of call to action to sports bodies in the local area. Said, look, we're coming. We have a we have a watt bike. We're doing a very basic, simple field test here to assess kind of baseline talent um, or baseline physiology, so to speak. And um, from that, then we got some raw numbers. Um, we had a big bank of tests completed by high performing athletes before that. We looked at those numbers, whittled it down, um, brought various people on camps, meetings, whittled it down some more, and I think ultimately ended up with, oh, I'm going to say five or six. It was a, it was a while ago now, but five or six um, athletes. That sounds about right. Yeah. Who would have kind of gradually made their way into, uh, into being track cyclists. Yeah, so it was fascinating. So, you, you know, I, I, my my recollection of it as well was that it was a fairly simple that you were looking for anyone, um, you know, if you played county level camogie or anything like that, you were eligible to come over and, and, and have a go. There was a simple power output test on the Watt bike, I think, was it? What was it? Was it three yeah, minutes? Yeah, just, um, just a couple of short duration tests. So two six in saddle, six second sprint and an out of saddle sprint and then just a, a three minute maximum effort. And that was it really on and off in probably 30 minutes all, all in. So, Yeah. And then so from those numbers, you were able to identify, OK, there's a couple of athletes, a couple of, a couple of girls here who might have some some potential and they were invited for further testing and trials and from that you ended up with the five or six so what happens uh, after that so once you, you you'd narrowed it down and the well the, the talent transfer program I suppose became a team what happened with those athletes next yeah so like you say it became a team it became the, the talent transfer team and um, they were kind of handheld and shepherded I suppose through the initial few months of, of their development um because I mean, I had to teach. We had to coach some of these some of these girls how to actually ride bikes um, up in up in Corkick Park on a, a lovely winter's morning. Um, and then the, the same girls were out competing in track world cups six seven months later. So um, now I've never, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Well, I, I, I've never actually. I've worked with track cyclists. I've worked at at, the, at tracks, but I've never actually been on a track bike. But I do know about them. So for someone who's never cycled a track bike, well, maybe someone who's never done any real cycling before. Uh, to get them on the bike and learn some basic bike handling skills. And then it's a bit of a step up again onto a track bike. What's the main differences there? For, for us, that step up was a, a morning session into an evening session on Sundrive on one Saturday. So <laughs> Steep uh, learning curve. A very steep learning curve. But uh, we always came at it at the angle. They couldn't... Uh, they didn't have the time really to learn uh, learn bad habits. So <laughs> they got the grips with it fairly quickly, actually, to be honest. Um, and I mean... If you, if you accelerate right to present day, I mean, within a year or two, they had uh, national national records. Um, the couple of them are, you know, maybe on track to, to Paris, um, have competed in, in European level events, European medalists. Um, and those who didn't make it or took the step back, um, some of them are very, very highly competitive on the triathlon scene now as well. So, yeah, I think um, it has. I, I, I now maybe it's, um, it's uh, a bit of bias, a recognition bias on my behalf, because I know some of the girls that were involved or I'm familiar with the process that I've kept an eye on it. But I do think that that, that, that whole program was really, really successful, not just in terms of, of performances for the girls, but raising the profile um, of Irish, um, Irish women cycling. And I think, yeah, they're, they're, you know, there's a strong cohort of really good female cyclists out there now that have, and many of them come 
have come from that program and others who are maybe in the sport now because of what they saw following that program. So I think it was very successful uh, and, it, and it's great to see them going on. Yeah, I mean, like the, a big theme that, that came out of it from the girls who would have been on the program was the leverage of those role models while they were making the transition. And it, it is quite, it is quite um, good and interesting to see now that, that some of those girls have become role models themselves. Um especially to the, you know, the under 12, under 14 kind of cohort of, of youth cyclists at the moment. Um, they're the next step. They're, they're looking up to, to these girls now who've only been in the sport maybe three or four years, um, which is really, really good to see. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it is, it is, it is, it is really great to watch. So like, that is really impressive work. And I have to re- remind everyone, this is still what you were doing on your internship. You were still a, a third year student <laughs> at the time. Uh, so I think, did you follow on from that with your dissertation in fourth year? Did you continue that work a little bit or did you write it up in some way? Yeah. So effectively we, we would have just kind of examined those, uh, those athletes who made it and a couple of them who didn't into the final selection, um, what their what their perceptions uh, of the program were, you know, thoughts, feelings, um, opportunities for for kind of next steps and guidelines for future programs, perhaps for for Cycling Ireland or for other talent transfer work. Because at the time, the the area was quite uh, quite niche. There wasn't there wasn't much um, there wasn't much in it at all, really, um, bar anecdotal stuff. So it was definitely a it's definitely a, a good area to get uh, to get stuck into. Yeah. So, right, you completed your dissertation and you graduated. Off you went into the big bad worlds. Uh, what did you do next? What happened after graduation? Um, so I was lucky enough to be kind of offered extended work, I suppose, with Cycling Ireland. So as soon as the internship finished up, I went straight into a, a quote, I call it like a consultancy, consultant coaching, development coach kind of role. Um, so that was fairly flexible, flexible work, part-time stuff, um, ad hoc basis would have been at that time, probably anything from junior development to more testing days in, in para athletes, um, identification stuff and, uh, and various other bits and pieces. So that would have been through the summer, I suppose, that it, when I graduated, a lot more work still involved with the, uh, talent transfer team. Cause that was still ongoing at the time. Um, and then I decided to set up my own coaching kind of business, um, so to speak. So effectively just coaching, coaching endurance athletes um, on a one-to-one basis privately. Um, yeah, and I would have set that business up in August 2018. So a couple of months after, uh, a month before graduation, a couple of months after finishing up uh, <laughs> Yeah, so no hanging around there. Um, so like, you know, that, that even sounds daunting to me now, like setting up your own business. So how did you go about doing that? Did you start off with one client with no clients? You know, how do you, how do you get going in something like that? Uh, yeah, so I had been doing some kind of a one-to-one endurance based coaching, uh, throughout kind of fourth, probably third year and fourth year in college. Um, just with, you know, club mates, friends, um, general kind of plans that type of stuff for people um and had a, had a good interest in it i'd also ended up buying a, um, a lactate pro 2 a turbo trainer and uh, a few bit, various other bits and pieces and just offered a simple lactate profiling service to, to clubs um so i suppose between the lactate profiling and between the few clients i had as a real kind of flexible basis i just tied that in together and then advertised that yeah I'm, i have space and i'm looking for you know, coaching clients and so forth. 
And it kind of just, uh, yeah, it accelerated at a rate that I wasn't really prepared for. We ended up having to get another coach a month later um, and yeah, various other bits and pieces and strategies needed to be uh, quickly put in place because I wasn't uh, very experienced in what I was doing. Well, yeah, I know what particularly I think down in, in the southeast and now at this stage, probably all over Ireland, you know, cycling uh, has gone through a bit of a boom recently. Lots of people are into it. Cycling goes hand in hand with the numbers. People want to know their stats. They want to know how well they're performing. The, you know, the science and the and the performance uh, go hand in hand. So I'm not surprised to hear that you were you had that uh, that that huge interest at, at, at the beginning. Um probably a good sport to be involved with in trying to get yourself set up. It might've been tough for if you were a, I don't know, a surfing coach or something like that, <laughs> looking to get into high performance surfing, uh, which is even a bit more niche. Definitely, uh, yeah. yeah. So what, have, well, well, so what's it like now? So you're a few years down the line. So what's work like for you now compared to then when you're getting started? I, I take it you're a bit more experienced now. I hope I like I hope to think so. But to be honest with you, I feel like I knew a lot more when I got started versus now. <laughs> Uh, that's the uh, you're in the uh, what, the well I won't give it its proper name but the you know you're when you graduate you're overconfident and maybe not so competent now you're probably more competent and just lacking a little bit of confidence that's 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 what happens you kind of feel like I shouldn't be here doing this but you uh, you're probably doing a much better job than you were uh, a few years ago uh, yeah definitely I, I hope I so anyway <laughs> I still I feel that with the lecturing like yeah. I, I'm, I'm I'm you know a few years into my career as a lecturer now and I sometimes have that doubt about myself that yeah, am I doing the right thing am I doing well here so Definitely. yeah you're, you're not alone with those feelings but yeah I suppose from from then till now the coaching process itself has, has always remained um remained the same um to some to some degree anyway just probably some more competence like you say and more input from various service providers nutrition and uh, strength and conditioning and, and various other bits and pieces some sports psychology intern placement students and so forth so kind of trying to tie all that stuff in that underpins performance as well um and then generally just because the, the volume of athletes i suppose has gone up um the volume of athletes that we work with uh through premier endurance has gone up just trying to manage the the workflow um and deliver the same coaching experience so to speak to the to the um to the athletes that they would they would otherwise get um and that's generally in a in a remote fashion as well so the vast majority of our work even pre-covid would have been um would have been online uh, online based coaching online based communications interaction consults all, all that stuff so what way would your athletes report into you then would you do you use one of the, the software packages or do they send you their numbers what way do you work with them yeah so i mean we use a, a a vast a vast array of, of various bits and pieces um mainly uh cent- centralizing around training peaks um so lots of other software available but kind of what, what we tend to use um all the numbers um from from the bike rides from the sessions from the runs whatever the case may be are imported uploaded onto training peaks um will give you a very good baseline level of, of data analytics load management all that stuff and um, if you want more you, you can you can always kind of dive in, in more depth with other softwares um and then as well it just affords the the opportunity for communication and um, so kind of immediate post-session feedback um comments queries questioning all the, the usual stuff that you know, you do in a normal coach athlete relationship just based in an online sense. So we'd use Trainer Peaks for that. We'd use WhatsApp, phone calls, Zoom, 
Um, you know, pre-COVID, definitely a lot of catching up on the bikes, coffees, that type of thing too. But um, a lot of the athletes we work with are, you know, either remotely based in Ireland, so they could be three, four hours away or on the, in the same breath, like at the moment, we've athletes racing in France, Belgium, uh, the UK. So naturally, you're, you're not going to be able to meet them for a coffee or, or a <laughs> yeah. bike ride. So can't get that into the expenses just yet. Unfortunately not, no. <laughs> yeah. that, but no, that is fascinating. And just, maybe just for people who aren't familiar with Trading Peak, so that you might give us an overview. It's a software where your athletes can, they will use their, whatever their uh, hardware they're using to monitor their power output, their speed, their their runs, their cycles, like you said, uh, their heart rates, uh, and then it will get fed back to you via this software so you can see what's going on with them. Yeah, um, so like a lot of people now have like activity monitors on their wrist, Fitbit, Garmin watch, um, even like the likes of Whoop straps, all these various bits and pieces. Uh, all that data is generally um, able to be either automatically imported, so straight through your phone onto Trainer Peaks, or manually imported through kind of various files and so forth pulled in. Um, and Trainer Peaks itself then will just give us a breakdown of perhaps like GPS data, um, speed, time, distance. Uh, power, um, heart rate, cadence, all these external load metrics, internal load metrics. You can do session RP, you can do um, menstrual cycle tracking, you can do various kind of load management bits and pieces um, and some performance analysis uh, as well that, you know, the rest of it you could kind of do on Excel. So it is a good, uh, it is definitely a good software. And then again, like I say, for the, for the communication piece kind of ties it up quite nicely. And it gives you, like you say, the opportunity to, I won't say instantaneous, but very, very quickly see what the athletes have done. And then you can feed back to them, um, you know, within a very reasonable time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it is instantaneous to, to an extent, you know, if, if an athlete finished their session this evening at, at 8pm, I can open it on the tab here and, you know, I, I see everything straight away and, and can give them pretty much instantaneous feedback if if they need it, um, which might be a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It depends on who 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 does well with uh, all the extra feedback that's available to them now. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. We don't uh, we don't want to border into the over analysis of things. No either. paralysis by analysis. I've seen it uh, plenty of times. So the, you mentioned there as well that a lot of your uh, your work was uh, done remotely pre COVID, and then obviously during COVID, it had to be done remotely. And I know you have recently uh, enrolled back in our department to take on a master's by research. So you might, I think there's overlap between those two areas there. You might tell us what you're, you're back to do. Um, yeah, so definitely overlap and, and definitely the, the reason and, and central tenant of the research question was just to figure out what is best practice or what does the coaching process look like in an endurance sport or in an online, um, online environment Um so we know that endurance coaches have been operating in this fashion for for years upon years. Um, I've, I've read bits and pieces about fax training plans in, in the eighties and nineties, and training peaks itself. I think was you know early two thousands, and there is like we say lots of other software. I know when I was being coached even ten years ago, it was it was delivered over Excel with a shared Dropbox folder. Um, so it has been going on, but there's been no kind of outright research into the area as a whole so there's lots of uh, research into coaching processes in other sports um, coaching environments contexts whatever you want to call them especially like coaching behaviors and analysis and, and all that in your traditional field-based sport what endurance sport has a lot of is um, 
you know, your typical research into aerodynamics, physiology and uh, nutrition. And everybody thinks that those, you know, big, big, you know, they are indicators of performance, but they're not the be all and end all, but they're very easy to uh, to monitor and look at and get some nice hard, uh, hard data from that we can make good training decisions on. But generally what I found, I suppose, over the last number of years is if you have a basic understanding of physiology and your training plans are, are underpinned by, you know, good practice there, the rest of it really does come down to how you coach, how you interact, how you communicate, how you create buy-in, um, and how you adapt and adjust things on the fly. Like, you know, I could, you could say today you're just two or three plans that were set out yesterday just because of, of one or two things. Um, and that just yields a good return for for the training um, in the coming weeks or the coming months or whatever goals are coming up. So obviously it's a, it's an area that uh, that's interesting to me um, and it's an area that a lot of people are doing. So the thing is like how are people doing it? What does an endurance coach look like? Um, what are the, the basic even demographics? You know, are they qualified to an NGB level? Do they have third level education? How many hours do they work? You know, are they more susceptible to burnout because they do this online work? Um, are they confident coaching online? Are they confident coaching in person? Um, a host of, of various bits and pieces that just kind of remain uh, remain unanswered, which is exciting for me, I suppose. <laughs> it is, yeah. No, even just listening to you there, listing out all the things, like any one of those things that you've listed out could be turned into a project, let alone, I don't know, you've probably listed out five or six different master's projects that could uh, could run in parallel there. Um, so yeah, it will be interesting to see um, what comes out of this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you obviously feel that this is going to fit well with your role. Do you, and I get the impression from talking to here that you do a bit, maybe a good bit of reflection back on your own practice as a coach is that would that be fair to say yeah i'm a big believer in him in, in coaching reflection so i suppose when we were told to develop our coaching philosophies and, and do a reflective practice through our internship years or, or you know in the early year one and two of undergraduate degree i would have looked at it with a big dose of skepticism um, <laughs> now i sit down at my computer every friday and write a weekly coaching reflection and uh, i probably hate myself for doing it but it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good exercise in a uh, in reflection and it's you know sometimes you sit down to write it and you're like, oh, i just don't really know what to write i don't know what went well this this week or what didn't go so well or what i've learned and next thing you look down and you have a, a thousand words typed or you know of, of ramblings but they're probably good ramblings to, to reflect over likewise i see some people you know they'll dictate it into a voice note or um any any various bits and bits and pieces or ways and means of a uh, of doing it and being a little bit self-critical but i suppose in a in a good way hopefully yeah i think it's an it's an important thing to do and it's not something that's particularly common i don't think you know you're you're ahead of the curve there in doing it i was only talking to um our fourth years um about we had to give them a talk about professional practice and getting i was talking about getting accredited um uh, with the institute of sport you have to submit a fairly substantial case study uh for that and i remember the one thing when i was submitting my case study was that i had to go back and literally 
actually go through my diary and page by page and try and try to remember things that I'd done, coaching courses that I'd done, CPD that I'd done, uh, all this stuff that was really, really relevant, but I had no, I hadn't collected it and put it together anywhere. And then you've got to go and reflect on stuff that you might have done six months ago. And, you know, it's not fresh in your mind. So having, doing what you're doing there, and I'd say this to any of the students that are listening, getting into the habit of doing that early, doesn't have to be a thousand words. You could start off with 10 words uh, just to reflect on, on some of the work that you're doing. It can be invaluable to have it put together in one place yeah definitely um and like a lot of the times if it's not if it's not typed you know pull in screenshots or interesting twitter threads that i want to come back and have a look at or some points maybe i didn't really agree with perhaps someone put up and maybe just come back and and argue them out in my own little world on on word (laughs) (laughs) don't get don't get it into involved in a live online argument you argue with yourself um, yeah, it's, it's quite good. And you can always revisit it. You know, if there's periods of the year where you're like, oh, I'm actually struggling for a bit of motivation here myself in my coaching, or what did I do last year when, you know, we were halfway through the season and there's not, not too much racing in the next three or four weeks. Did I, did I give people rest? Did we do some formal testing? Did we do a training camp? Did we do something else? Um, you can always just revisit that, look at it and then look a month later, how did it actually go? Um, so it's nearly like a cheat cheat sheet, I suppose, for the following year's coaching sometimes as well. Yeah, it can definitely help. I know um, I, we do like at the end of each semester, we'll do a little reflection on modules that we've taught, things that went well, things that didn't go well. And I find that very useful, you know, you might because it could be a full year before you come back to teach that module again. And, you know, you've got to get the, the old cogs turning. What do we do? And having that little reflection um, to say, right, well, this didn't work particularly well, or maybe try it this way, or this question seemed to resonate with the students. It's invaluable having yeah. those things. Yeah, oh, it really definitely. does help. Yeah, it's something I encourage the athletes to do as well. Like every Sunday, we'll have a, a Google Forms uh, document linked through to the training peaks, and it'll just pull up a, a quick five minute um, questionnaire, which on the one hand gives me some, you know, internal load metrics session or P for the week and and so forth. But on the other hand, we look at, um, you know, what went well, what did you like about the sessions, what didn't you, what are your goals, did you did you take them off? and all this um and some athletes don't like it but then they revisit it a few weeks later and they're like well <laughs> i take those goals off and now you know now we're, we're kind of on the road to a good process and hopefully on the road to to um good race performance yeah it's interesting we have again another group of students on a different degree who are just getting qualified as personal trainers and we're we're unleashing them on uh, some staff uh, to let them do some one-to-one personal training sessions with them but you know one of the things we were talking about like with a, as a personal trainer you've got to help people figure out what motivates them to exercise what are the barriers that are preventing them to getting stuff done and how to overcome those barriers so you know that's essentially what you were just describing there by getting your 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 athletes to fill that out in a coaching context and I suppose the coaching you're doing is similar to the personal training coaching that uh, someone else might do so that's that's definitely resonated there it's it's important work oh definitely yeah it's just it's just good to marry up all, all the various attributes you know goal setting the psychological stuff and, and come back in on physical underpinnings and, and try and uh, try and do your best to balance a lot of them anyway yeah going back to something you said at the start like you actually you, you gave a nice description of the of the sports coaching and performance degree saying that it kind of gave you an overarching uh, view of all the 
what, what you want to call them, the ologies or the services that, that might go into coaching. And, you know, the idea behind that degree is to give the students the skills required to become a professional coach. Um, you know, certainly when we started out that degree, um, you know, the idea of a professional coach in Ireland, they were fairly scarce on the grounds. Um, maybe there are, you know, you, you have established yourself as a professional coach now coming through that degree. Uh, it's not like the typical Irish volunteer coaches that we would have seen for, for so long in Ireland. So uh, looking back and where you are now, is this a route you'd recommend? Do you think it was, uh, are you happy with the route you took? Um Yes, yes and no to an extent. Um, so yes, it's you know it is it is you can't deny it is a, it is a cool job if you if you want to work in performance sport and I mean the opportunities I get from a, a sports development perspective as well with various Sport Ireland and you know initiatives and youth development work and so forth coupled with the high performance uh, is a unique blend and balance um, and you could throw other bits and pieces in there too varied roles but. Um, so yeah, on the one hand, it's it's a great role. Um, I suppose on the the negative side of things, it's is it is it the best thing to do coming straight out of your degree to to kind of put all your eggs in in one basket and set a business up and it kind of just send it so to speak. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it does create a bit of a pressure cooker environment, um, and you know sometimes people don't thrive massively in those environments. Um, and I know I didn't for, you know, for periods of, of the first year or two anyway, for sure. Um, coaching. So like, that's the thing. I mean, I think there's a lot of pressure now for people to, you know, create their own business. And you see a lot with strength and conditioning professionals in particular, because there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of opportunities out there. Um, yeah. So it's, it's definitely something to reflect on and think, you know, is it for you or would this be better served as a, you know, a kind of a, a side project to maybe a more traditional role for a year or two um, to build up some experience, confidence and... Uh, uh, yeah, gradually ease into it rather mm-hmm. than the full-on nosedive that you did. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that that's, that's fair. That is fair, you know, because... Um, yeah, that the, there's all the pressure. You know, there's financial pressures that that go with it. You you're you're self-employed, yeah. Um, and yeah, that 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 would be, uh, as I said, pretty daunting. Yeah. Uh, trying no, no, to definitely. set up a business. Um, I was I was very lucky in how successful that it uh, that it came, became, and I make new t- no two bones about that. I would have had a the year I finished or the year I started up the business. I probably would have represented Ireland two or one or two times on the road. So it's it's probably not a great thing, but you know, people, you advertise yourself as a coach. And the first thing people do is say, was, were they successful in sport? And if the question and the answer to that question is yes, then you, you gain more clout immediately in that domain. So it kind of gets your foot in the door um, to it. And then I had connections with kind of, you know, continental level athletes who I would have been coaching already. And just, you kind of publicize that just a little bit. And next thing it snowballs. So, it was definitely a unique, unique um, position to leverage at the time, um, but equally it could have just completely flopped. So, so. <laughs> oh, thank, thankfully, it didn't. It didn't flop for you. Uh, no, it seems like you are um, you are relishing in it now, uh, and things are going well for you. What do you enjoy most about the job? Um, I think just seeing people progress, um, and that could be like you know, a couple of years ago we had an, an athlete in the top ten in the European Games. And I mean, over over the the COVID period, um, 
I would have coached athletes in cycling skills from a distance through like YouTube videos and Zoom and they would have sent me back their progression on, you know, their parents, even the youth athletes would have sent me back their progression, being able to bunny hop barriers from the cyclocross bike, whereas I had no physical interaction to show them how to do that. Um, and, you know, you can't you can't see progression like that and, and see the slight impact that you might have had on it and not be um, not be happy or not be happy in your job at the, in the same breath, you know. That's yeah, no, that it is. That's great. It's not not the answer I expected, but that is a is a good answer uh, uh, from you there. What about any plans for the future? Where do you want to take things next, or is it are you going to focus on 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 the postgraduate work and leave the the tra- the, the training job kind of or the coaching job rather uh, truck along on its own, or have you got plans for for anything else? Um, yeah, it's a difficult one. Like, I mean, I'm we're trucking away with the with the postgraduate work. We have phase one of that done, um, which was just a basic kind of survey out to endurance coaches. So, phase two of that is going to be uh, interview based. Um, we have some abstracts already kind of gone into the um, the IJ. What is it called? <laughs> I should I should probably know this. Shouldn't I? <laughs> the International Journal of Sports uh, Sports Coaching. For their special edition in uh, digital uh, digital coaching, digital coaching okay. interventions, so we're kind of en route to getting some some early work kind of out there this early into the postgraduate um, journey, I suppose, which is really really nice, um, and it's something I'm massively enjoying at the moment. Uh, just the whole the whole process. Um, of the the kind of academic side of things although i am led to believe that it definitely does get harder so <laughs> <laughs> i won't count my, my chickens before they hatch but um yeah so i suppose keep tipping away with the the postgraduate side of things um and then yeah the, the business i mean it's in a it's in a good place now i'm, I'm happy with the the cohort of, of clients i'm coaching i'm happy with you know we have assistant coaches and interns and, and so forth who are doing various bits and pieces and it, it is yeah. You have a placement student coming to you, I think, from WIT. Yeah, we have well. we have a placement student currently from WIT. So we've had placement students from the University of Stirling, WIT, and at WIT again this semester and again next semester as well. So um there's there's been lots of kind of yeah moves in, in that department and it's slowly growing, um, not as fast as it originally did, thank, thankfully. <laughs> but um yeah some other various opportunities and bits that are coming up in the coach development space, which I never, um, I never would have envisaged stepping, uh, stepping into before, but it's very, uh, very interesting. It would have always been a pure physiology, um, <laughs> performance kind of, kind of person. But yeah, now we're kind of looking more into the coaching process of things and it's, uh, it's very interesting. You've been seduced by the holistic approach. I think so. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's excellent. Like I said at the very beginning, it has been fascinating to to watch everything that you're, you you you've been doing from a distance. It's great, you know, to 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 hear from you and 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 know that the business is going well. That you know you're expanding yourself into the postgraduate. Fascinating that you're you know you're taking on you're a graduate now taking on placement students from WIT and you know from you being the intern and, and getting a leg up, you're now the person given other uh interns their experience so it, it has been fascinating and i want to say thank you very much uh once again for you to you for taking the time to speak to me today 
Definitely. Really, really enjoyed it and, and definitely appreciate it, Bruce. Um, no. Make it in for a, a VO2 max test sometime soon. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, if we get if we get the clearance from health and safety to start doing proper VO2 max tests again, we'd be delighted. It would be brilliant. Uh, I was supposed to have one lined up for this Friday, but unfortunately, a, a demo for a class, but that hasn't, uh, it's not going to come through for us. Um, but yeah, we you definitely keep an eye out and uh, hopefully I'll bump into you on campus soon. Yeah, 100%. It was great to catch up with Jamie there. We have a lot of students who passed through over the years, and I have to say, I don't always remember each of them, but Jamie was a keen and engaged student, which made him memorable. He certainly hit the ground running after graduation and has been very industrious since then. I was impressed to hear Jamie talk about the many roles he has taken on and the dedication that he has to each of them. I also admire his ability to reflect back on his work. This is a really important skill, and I think Jamie is demonstrating maturity beyond his years through this practice. Finally, I'm really interested to follow Jamie's research work. He has already made an impact in cycling through his work with the Talent ID programme and it looks like he's going to continue to have an impact through his postgraduate studies. Okay, that's it for today. If you've made it this far, you might do one more thing for me and share the episode. It's always great to spread the word and build our audience. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, then you can catch me on Instagram at B underscore wardrop. I welcome any feedback or suggestions that you might have for the show. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you in the next episode.